go. We are going to read from Psalm 25 this morning. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can come here this morning with one purpose, to see you, to seek you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just be magnified in this room and that we would just worship you with all of our hearts. I pray for Jason that you would just anoint him this morning as he brings the word. Be glorified here today. Amen. Would you stand as we worship this morning? Would you stand as we say the creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
As we continue to stand and worship, we invite you to come down and meet the prayer team at the altar for prayer.
Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but you are mighty. Hold me with your powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. And so, Almighty God, we come into your presence this morning with hearts full of praise. For you alone are God, and there is none like you. And we come into your presence with hands lifted high. And we extol your majesty. For you alone deserve our highest praise. But we also come into your presence with our heads bowed, recognizing that we have sinned, and in humility we ask for your forgiveness. As the psalmist teaches us, against you only have we sinned. And so cleanse us, Lord. Restore us in your righteousness so that we may have uninterrupted fellowship with your Spirit. For those who are opening up their hearts to you right now in prayer, we pray for healing in mind, body, and spirit. For those joining us online this morning, hear their prayers as we join with them from this place. For distance means nothing to you. We join with our brothers and sisters who are not here this morning as a community of faith, and we lift each other up to you and ask you to meet our needs. Nothing is impossible for you. Often our faith is weak, and often our faith is misplaced in our own strength. Remind us that when we are weak, that you are strong. Remind us that your grace is sufficient in spite of our circumstances. Remind us that your love and faithfulness are unconditional. Remind us that our salvation never depended on us being good enough, but instead it is a result of the finished work of Christ at Calvary. And so as a community of faith, we lift up our prayers to you, knowing that you already know what is best for us. We love you, and again, thank you for your presence with us this morning. We ask you to anoint Pastor Jason this morning as he brings us your word. And when we come to this table, Lord, we ask Jesus to feed us till we want no more. And as we leave this place, this sanctuary, we pray for a new awareness that no matter where we are or where we go or what we do, you are with us. Help us to hear the voice of your Spirit each and every day. And help us all to surrender our will to your will. And help us to be the disciples of Christ that you have called us to be. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Greet one another. Tell them you're glad they've chosen to come to the Lord's house today.
Welcome again. It is good to see all of you here. To those of you who are joining us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. If this is one of your first weeks or maybe your very first week, hopefully you were greeted when you walked in or maybe greeted just now, but we are glad that you are here. Um, there, You can scan the QR code and the bulletin and fill out some information about yourself or you can see Pastor Jerry in the information center after service and we would love to greet you. We would love to give you a gift um, from us and we are thankful that you are here and for all of us who this place has become a place of family. Um, we're glad that you're here as well. So it's freezing outside. So let's think about something warm. Good, right? A little better than the snow. So this summer, this July, we are diving deep into friendship with God, July 8th through 12th. So put that on your calendar. Um, you will be seeing some announcements. If you see them on Facebook, share them with your friends. Um, if you have been to VBS before, you know it's something you want to invite people to. So we want to give you a heads up. Summer is coming, and we are preparing, and we are excited for this year's scuba. Um, and we will be going through New Testament stories, and we'll be teaching the kids that friendship with God goes deep and is forever. So we pray that you'll be part of that and get excited. When you see the snow, think about scuba. All right. Before scuba comes up this Wednesday, um, we will continue in Bible study at 7 o'clock. Um, we promise the heat's on, and Pastor Jerry is leading a study through Exodus, and so you are invited um, very warmly on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Um, and finally, um, as we think about the next generation, as we think about the things that we do here, actually in Children's Church today, we are finishing the book of Exodus. So we're a little bit ahead of Bible study, um, but we will be um, finishing up our story of Moses and his travels, and we've had a great time up there. It is our hope through Vacation Bible School, through Children's Church, through Awana, through youth, that all the things we do can reach the next generation so that we're not just 
here not passing on our faith, that the things that we know, the things that God has taught us, the things we read in his word can go on to the next generation so that they can um, grow to be leaders in, in the faith as well. So we thank you for serving. We thank you for the fun ways that we get to serve the kids. Thank you for your giving. Thank, for, thank you for your faithfulness. And those are some ways on the screen that you can give, whether you give in person or online or text to give. We're so thankful. Um, and so let's stand together as we continue to worship. I'm not sure how many of you have noticed our new banner back here. It says, connect with God and connect to each other. That's, that's what we're about. That's going to be our theme for this year. Personally, I think it's just awesome. I, I also think of the cross. The cross goes up and down. That's our connection to God. It goes back and forth. That's our connection to each other. I probably shouldn't have, but I explained to a student the other day what my personal theology was, and I made it real simple. You love God, and you love others. Right? Let's take a moment and, and just take one of the pillars, rejoice, pray, give thanks, and as we sing this song, let's, let's focus on just one of those. Whichever one works for you today, Right now in this song, I trust in God, and I pray that you take a part of this with you, even if you don't take the whole thing, you take something with you at the end of the service.
that branch, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That comes from Psalm 34. David wrote that after he had a, a particularly difficult interaction. And um, he testifies that uh, in the middle of his darkness, he sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. David wrote that probably 3,500 years ago. We had a situation in our house a couple weeks ago where uh, we, were, we were going through something and uh, Joy was talking to a friend of hers and the friend, the, that verse was something her friend shared with her. And so Joy realized that as what she was going through, she never had really brought that to God and, and sought the Lord and he heard or, and experienced him hearing and answering that particular thing. And so she started to do that. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. And um, it happened. God helped her with it. And so she, she realized that that portion of scripture where it says, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. What David experienced 3,500 years ago is still true today for us. And so as you walk through things where you don't see an answer, sometimes we don't even think that our issues, our problems, our struggles are important enough to bother God with. You're not a bother to God. He desires to hear an answer, but he desires us to come to him with our stuff. And so if there's something that you're dealing with this morning, as we sing that, that bridge again and back into the course, I encourage you to start to say, God, help me with this. There's nothing too small or too big to ask God's help for. Would you, could we, could we go right back into that? I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. That's why I trusted. That's why I trusted. I sought. I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. I sought the Lord and He heard and He answered. significant or a place of feeling like it's too small for you to, to, to bother you with or whether it's God our faith isn't big enough to believe that you could conquer that mountain God I pray for the miraculous to happen in our midst 
God, I pray that you would hear and answer. And God, for specifically for people in the room this morning who are just don't have hope that you could hear and answer their issues, I pray that you would restore hope, that you would work in a way that only can be explained by God. Be honored by what we say and do this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And while they're going, check out this video. If we haven't had the privilege of meeting, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at FDC or Faith Discovery Church. It's an honor that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your Sunday morning with us. I'm going to get my water because I forgot it before. And um, I will have dry mouth and that will sound terrible. So uh, I'm going ahead and get that. Thank you. But if you're joining us online, thank you so much. I just left and came back, but you're still with us. Uh, we're glad that you're here. You're an important part of our community. I encourage you to talk and uh, chat with each other during, during today's message and during today's service. Church is better when you're here. Church is better when we're together. So have a better experience online by enjoying it together. Thank you so much for everyone being here. Uh, it's a great day at FTC. If you're new with us, you've chosen an awesome day. The heat works. Uh, he usually works. Uh, so we're, we're, we're glad that that happens. But we're glad that you chose today to join us. Today's a, new, a great day at our church. Uh, after service is our annual church business meeting. Uh, for those of you who are members, you're encouraged to stay. But uh, if you're new with us and you want to hear kind of what we're about and what's happening at our church, you're invited to listen in. We're, we don't have anything major to vote on today, but we are going to give some reports and just celebrate uh, another incredible year of God's faithfulness. Um, uh, we have... Uh, later on today, we have youth and we have Awana, and throughout the, this campus, young people will be finding community and learning about the teachings of Jesus. It's going to be an awesome day here at FDC. But before all that happens, uh, we want to spend a few minutes for us to learn about the teachings of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, and you, can, uh, you saw it in that video. Matthew chapter 5, verses, uh, chapter 5 through 7. Sorry, try that again. Matthew 5 through 7, chapters. They're famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this section of teaching, this major block of teaching in the book of Matthew, is actually the first of five large teachings passages that, G- that Matthew uh, details of Jesus' teaching that help... Uh, Matthew's readers form and live out and reflect the identity and the character of Jesus in the world. Matthew is encouraging people to learn what Jesus is saying so that that can affect the way they live and they can reflect Jesus and his spirit into the world. Now this, this, this passage, this, this sermon from Jesus, uh, if you read it, it probably would take you 20, 15 to 20 minutes to read all the way through. I'm going to talk a little longer than that 
Don't judge me. Matthew's, uh, Jesus' passage that we read in Matthew is filled with Old Testament references, things that I like to call hyperlinks. All throughout Jesus' message, he's referencing things from the Old Testament. And that makes sense because he's talking to people who were very learned in, in the Old Testament. He's talking to Jewish people, and he's teaching them about how... Uh, The Old Testament is now being carried out into the New Testament. Jesus' message that Matthew talks about is, is we see it in earlier, in chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus is talking about, uh, teaching, and he says, um, we're going to skip the Beatitudes and then we'll come back to them. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus' message is the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom that they had read about in the Old Testament has come to fulfillment in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus is is teaching what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. When you read scripture, if you hear or see kingdom of heaven or you see kingdom of God, they're the same. Equate them. There, there are different turns of phrases to talk about God's kingdom in the universe. And so Jesus is teaching what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Last summer, you, if some of you will remember, we talked about the Sinai experience and how God gave the, the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law to Moses and to Israel. And he gave them as a guide for how this newly developed society, the, the nation of Israel, would, that would be founded on. He gave them the principles that they would build their society on. God had ordained that through those Jewish, through the Israel and through the Jewish nation, the rest of the world would be blessed. And so he, at Sinai, he's taking these people who've been in slavery for 400 years and he's bringing them into a new world, but they have no idea how to structure their world. And so God gives them structure in the, in the Ten Commandments and in the law to help them thrive in their society. We have a little bit of an understanding of that. About 260 years ago, a group of men were trying to form a new nation here on this continent. And they wrote the Declaration of Independence and they wrote the Constitution. The Constitution would still serves as a, as a guardrail, as a guide, as a foundation for how our civic laws are built in this country. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and he begins to preach that the kingdom of heaven is near and And he talks about what it's like to be a citizen of that kingdom. And that's what's happening in the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts with a passage that we know as the Beatitudes. And in Matthew chapter 5, it starts like this. When Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. You can read along in your Bibles or on the phone, or if you don't have something, you can read behind me. It says he went up on a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the pro- for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus opens this passage and he talks about uh, a different way of living. A different kind of outlook on life than most of us would find normal or natural. And he uses a wonderful word that we like to use in our society today, blessed. He talks about blessed. And there, in our society today, there are a number of ways that we interpret blessed or take meaning on blessed. Um, we think of blessed as happy. Or what else? What do you think of when you hear, hear the word blessed? Go ahead and shout it out. Fortunate. What else? Healthy. In a number of ways, we think of blessed as good. Happy, awesome, thriving. Um, uh, what's the, there's a word in my mind that's cons- escaping me, so we're going to skip it. But um, special. And I think all of those fit. But Jesus is talking about a new kingdom. And he's talking about citizens of those that kingdom. And so when you read the word blessed in that, and I, my voice is giving a little bit of like a Peter Brady cracking issue. I don't know why. When you read the word blessed there, I encourage you to, to, to change that word or to put in. When you see blessed in the Beatitudes, change that to citizens of heaven. And he describes what a citizen of heaven looks like. Because the kingdom of heaven is coming. And if you're part of that, if you're a citizen of that kingdom, this is what your life will reflect. And so he teaches the found, he's providing the foundational ways in which his father, followers will live. You see, for Matthew, the kingdom of heaven refers to the ultimate blessing of the future. We would call heaven or eternal life. And the activity of God in the present. You see, as a Christian, we don't just hope for forever. We have a blessed hope of forever. When we come to Christ, we have an assurance that our life is now and forever. And we know him now in part, we will know him in full forever. But the benefits, the blessings of Christianity, of faith in Jesus, of having the, having God be active, it doesn't happen just after this life. It happens in this life. And Jesus is saying, when you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you open your life, your heart, your world to opportunities to see God become present and active in your life now. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. When we become citizens of the heaven, of heaven or citizens of the kingdom of God, we see God hear and answer now. And so here in chapter five, Jesus highlights nine attributes that are character traits of the citizens of the kingdom he is announcing. These attributes are traits of people who are blessed. 
If you remember at the beginning of last year, we did a series called The Lord Bless You, and we defined blessing by saying that to be blessed is to be in harmonious relationship with God. And to know that God wants to do, to work in us, to work good in us, to us, and through us. To be in harmonious relationship with God, to be a citizen in good standing in his kingdom, is what I propose to you, I propose you see when you read the word, the Beatitudes and you see the word blessed. Read that citizens of heaven are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven. To be, to be poor in spirit is a, is a religious designation in their day. It describes people who are humble before God. Individuals with this right disposition toward God are given the promise of the kingdom of heaven both here in life and in eternity. Citizens of God's kingdom who mourn will be comforted. Mourners are people who need God's help. Do you know what it feels like to need help? This week, Joy and I had a particularly practical understanding of what it needs to need help some of our pipes froze and they're copper the pipes that froze and if you know anything about plumbing which i didn't until this week or i knew very little i know more now copper pipes when they freeze they burst which isn't a big deal until they thaw and then they leak and so we uh, had an experience on Thursday morning. We woke up and uh, portions of our house had no hot water. By the way, did you know that hot water pipes freeze before cold water pipes? I learned, Google told me that since the time of Aristotle, people have been confused by this. I'm joining in the, the, the team. I'm confused why hot water freezes faster than cold water. But we, we had some frozen pipe, we had some pipes that weren't working. We didn't have hot water on our first floor. And so, uh, uh, I thought, well, we got, after checking and Googling and trying to figure it out, discovered we probably have some frozen pipes. And so cut an access hole in the ceiling in the basement where I knew pipes were and took a hairdryer and started thawing out pipes. And it was great. And all of a sudden I heard on the first floor, the, the, the kitchen sink start rushing. And I was like, oh, we have hot water. It's perfect. But there was one other pipe that wasn't or sink that wasn't working. So I continued to thaw and the pipes that were actually frozen just started to pour out of the ceiling of our hallway. And we've got a major issue. So I uh, call my father-in-law because that's what I do whenever I have any kind of construction issue. And he said, turn the water off your house. And so I figured out how to turn the water off the house and we clean up the mess. And Basil, who was a hero of the day, comes over and and cuts the pipe in the appropriate places and seals it and fixes it and we've got no more leaks and it's wonderful and we've saved the day and then thursday night happened and there was a another pipe that was hidden there were that just went into a portion of our house that's blocked off right now that someday we're going to uh, fix and it, it this pipe is in this crawl space and it thought about four in the morning and it just or we think about four in the morning and it was pouring water into this crawl space. And the, the result was in the crawl space created a sinkhole and all the mud from the sinkhole flowed under the wall into our hallway. And Joy goes down to put water on the, on, uh, to put not water, to put wood on the fire. And she looks in the basement and there's like an inch of mud walking down, uh, flowing down the hall of our basement thing. 
and I need help again. So we turn the water off in the house and we spend a really cool, fun, story-filled experience next 90 minutes of shoveling mud out of our basement and bucket brigading it out and vac- wet vacuum. We got, we figure it out and we get, and there's, we turn the water out of the house and so at about 5.30 we go back to sleep and we wake up in the morning hoping nothing bad else has happened. And then my father-in-law comes over and we, he and I spend the next seven or eight hours trying to find the pipe that broke, eventually finding it, fixing it, and there's no more water. But when you have that experience, you're convinced it's going to happen again. And when, if you're anything like me, you're helpless in that situation. You don't know what to do. I needed help this week. When you know, when you're in those experiences of, of needing help, God knows what it's like to help us. And Jesus says, when you're in that situation where you need help, you'll be comforted. That's what he's talking about with mourners. But he's also referencing the fact that God is with us when we need help. You see, he was also talking about, and there are hyperlinks here to talking about Old Testament passages after the exile has happened in the Old Testament. And people who are mourning that they, uh, people in the Old Testament who are mourning the fact that Israel isn't experiencing all that God has for it anymore. And they know that God has called Israel into this blessed situation and they're heartbroken because instead of being this thriving nation that reveals God's character to the world there jerusalem has been besieged and the people of israel are exiled around the world and the people who care so deeply about israel and god's uh power and presence in it are heartbroken to be a king a citizen of god's kingdom and see people choose not to experiencing everything god has for them is heartbreaking All throughout the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, there are people who are mourning that Israel and Jerusalem have fallen and they're not experiencing what God called them into. Jesus understands this and offers comfort. Isaiah 61 equates comfort with salvation. Isaiah 57 associates comfort with healing. Isaiah 40 associates comfort with a pardon for iniquity. Jeremiah 13 equates comfort with redemption. When Jesus says uh, those who mourn will be comforted, to be comforted in what he's talking about is to experience God's salvation. To the promise for those who grieve or mourn over the brokenness of the world is to know that God is coming. Jesus is here to redeem it. And all that he said would happen is going to happen. But it's heartbreaking when we see people choose not to live into all that God has for them. And so when when Jesus says those who mourn, he's talking about more than those people who are going through difficult times. When you go through difficult times or sad times or grieving times or mournful times, Jesus is there. His presence is there to guide you and walk you through those times. But even more than that, when you grieve that God's will has not been accomplished yet, Jesus says you're going to be comforted. 
Because to be a true citizen of God's kingdom is to be heartbroken when you see people choose other. The meek, those who will inherit the earth, according to Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, are those who seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Then he talks about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, actually scholars have some, have some different ideas or multiple ideas or debates on what that actually means. But Jesus likely is referencing people who are longing for the vindication of God's kingdom and people. And to them, to those who are longing for God to come and to save and to work and to change the world, Jesus says, they will, uh, Jesus says they will be satisfied. What, what he's saying in the moment, what they don't realize, what his audience doesn't realize in the moment, that it's in him they'll find that satisfaction. Then we have attributes that are, that are expressed person to person. Attributes like mercy, blessed are the merciful, or pure in heart, or peacemakers. They will experience mercy when they see God. They will, uh, they will be called God's children. And you can see that some of these attributes are primarily focused on one's relationship with God. Some of the Beatitudes are. And some of them are more community-oriented. Again, this refers back, this is a similar thing to the Ten Commandments. Some of the Ten Commandments are between man, man and God. And some of the Ten Commandments are between man and man. But all of them are done in a way of worship and loyalty to God. When you seek peace with another, certainly you can redeem relationship maybe with those person, but you do that out of worship to God. Those of us who are, those of us, those of you who are pure in heart, have to be careful. Those of us who experience or who try to be merciful, we're, we do this not out of our own strength, but out of God's recreating us to be merciful. It's not in my nature to be merciful. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm from New England. We're not nice people. I've told some of you the story. I, I, in New Jersey, we're, we're similar. We're hardened. We don't trust. I've told some of you the story. When my, I drove my brother to college. He went to college in Missouri. We got there. We get out of the car. We're walking down the street to go to a restaurant because I like food. And someone says hello to my brother, and my brother says hello back. What are the odds that we'd get there? And right away, he'd see someone he knows. So I said, who is that? He goes, I don't know. I said, why are you talking to him? We do that here. Strange. I, I, I'm not comfortable. There's a hardness to me. But God is at work in me. Sometimes we have to be careful what we pray for. Because God will start to do it. If, last month during Advent when we focused, the, the Sunday we focused on peace, I talked about uh, hurry and, and peace and how they're juxtaposed and how we have to uh, seek peace in our lives. And since then, seemingly every time I get in a car, I get behind somebody who's driving slow. I'm not kidding. 
And I don't like to drive slow. Because I try to plan my day to the second to be as efficient as I can. I will stay here and work as long as I can. Assume every red light is going to be green to get to the next place I go. And then be just to be early is to waste the time it could have worked. But you don't want to be late. This is the psychosis that I walk through every day. And I've gotten behind these these people who are enjoying their drive. And as I start to get angry, I, the Lord starts to bring that, be at peace. Eliminate hurry. Be merciful to the person in front of you. And God's working in me to be patient, to, to make the person more important than my child, the person in front of me more important than the speed I'm going. When we open our lives up to God's word, God's teaching, to the Holy Spirit's work, he changes us. We become new creations. The things in the Beatitudes, the, the attributes that Jesus is talking about, some of you might be good at one or two of them. But none of us are good and find them all to be natural. And so how does one live out the attributes that Jesus is calling for? The only way that can happen is through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So God, the Holy Spirit takes the teachings of Jesus and starts to reframe us into his character and his reflection in this world. The, we, we, the way that, uh, while the way some of the Beatitudes are expressed is different than others. They are all intentional choices. Choices to, to designed to prioritize God's kingdom. And when we come to realize that, that we begin to realize that we can't manufacture all of these things in our own lives sustainably for a long time. You might be able to be, to force yourself to be merciful once. Or peacemaker once. But to live a life that you actually are known by that is to be open to the Holy Spirit changing you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, these nine attributes, they're not talents. They're not traits that come naturally to us. They're the result of the Holy Spirit's work in us. I talk often about being the parent of of teenagers. It's not easy to be a pastor's kid. But one one of the things that I try to talk to my teenagers about, right? Usually the last thing I tell them before they walk out the door to go hang out with their friends is to make good choices. Now, when they hear that, we've not really talked about all that that entails. When they hear about it, sure, I'm trying to encourage them to not do stupid things. To not break the law. To not drive erratically. Or other worse social environments. But I also want them to be kind. To make a good choice is to look to the benefit of the other over yourself. To be a person other people know they can count on. That happens not naturally. 
We must be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. God will use the situations in our lives to mold us and to change us. We'll bring things we have heard or read or sung to our minds when we need to be reminded or encouraged. I'm guessing there'll come a time this week where you're faced with a situation that you've been struggling with and you remember the song we sang, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. And you start to say, God, help me with this. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He takes the things that we've put in, but you got to put stuff in. And then he uses them to reflect his character in the world. I was listening, uh, God, I was listening to uh, a pastor from LA this week talk about how people change. And he talked about how he understood and, ra- and really believes. The question that he was asked is, there's a truth that you know to be right that you're struggling with. And he said, I, the truth is, I know people change. It's a belief, but I know people change. And the reason I know people change is because when I came to faith, I changed. And he said, I don't believe that I am the so singular exception in the universe that people can change. And so if I changed, I believe other people can change. He said, but at the same time, how people change has become a a difficult thing that he ponders. When he came to faith in Jesus, what helped him change was reading the Bible every day, was praying daily, was going to church and being involved in community. And he said he's seen people change that way, but over 40 years, he's also seen people who do those things time after time after time and don't change, but just become more planted in their dogmatic ideas. And he doesn't see any fruit of God working in their lives or evidence that God is alive with them. And so he's come to, to question, I know God changed me, but what, what, why me? And the reality is, is it's important to take in information, to read the Bible, to pray. But we ha- if we don't combine that with an openness to the Holy Spirit to change us, It will just be information, good information, but not ones that change us to reflect his character in the world. If you don't think differently now than you used to at some point, you have to start to think about what God's, how is God changing you? Because the priorities of Jesus don't line up with the priorities of Jason. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. And so if the priorities of Jesus aren't becoming more important than the priorities of Jason, i got to look at Jason and say, Jason, what am I doing wrong here? Why am I valuing what I value more than what God values? And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that these habits, church, prayer, Bible reading, community, podcasts, worship, so that they become tools that God uses for the Holy Spirit to change us. The next thing is the nine attributes are not divisions of God's kingdom. We can, we can and should see evidence of all these traits in our lives. It's not like when we get to heaven, Jesus or Peter, whoever's in charge of order, is going to be like, all right, I need all the poor in spirit over in this section. The merciful, you hang out here. And those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, you guys hang out outside the door. It's not one. 
In the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel was, was divided by their, uh, their family. Their identity was found in the family they came from. In, in the kingdom of God, our identity is found in Christ. And we can have all of these attributes happen in our lives because God makes them happen as he changes us and we reflect his character to the world. There, there, are, there are evidence of God's pre- These are evidence of God's presence in our lives. And they can be displayed when the Spirit deems important. We should actively desire that our lives display these attributes. And how that happens is different than you might expect. We want these attributes to be present in our lives. But these attributes cannot be the goal that we go after. We need to pursue God. That's our goal. Our relationship with Jesus is our goal. If we pursue just the attributes, we're missing the point. We pursue Jesus and things start to come into focus and we ask him to help us in certain areas. God, help me to be more merciful. But I don't, I don't pursue mercy. I pursue Jesus and ask him to make me reflect his character. And when that happens, I'm merciful. Our natural reaction to any requirement or advice will lead us to, uh, will lead us to what is, what we get blessed for will lead us to focus on the thing that gets rewarded. But we can't try to make these things happen under our own power. If we do, we're looking for glory to us. Look at how good I am at this. When Basil came to my house this week, I texted him a bunch of times, thank you. I said to him, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Basil, I don't know what I would have done, thank you. At any one of those points, he could have talked about how special he is. How good he is. All his years of experience in in construction could have led him to say that he was the answer. But he just said, you're welcome. No, No problem, my pleasure. And deflected. In fact, he started to get annoyed with me for saying thank you as much as I did. When we seek the attributes, we seek the glory. When we seek Jesus and we reflect the attributes in our lives because of the work of Jesus in our lives, he gets the glory. And that's the goal. It requires some part of you. As we, sung, as we sang that song, and I, t- I talked about a little bit about what's happening in our family, Joy asked specific intentional requests for Jesus to work in that area. You should be aware of what you need to grow in and ask God to help you grow in that as you go after him. But it's him who's the goal. 
The attributes are fruit. They're similar to the fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes about in Galatians. We are not able to sustainably implement these character traits in our lives on our own. This is done by the Holy Spirit. And it occurs when we grow in our walk with Jesus. So focus on Jesus, not the traits. And at the same time, specifically and intentionally, ask God, to ask for God to develop these attributes in you. Remember, God wants to reveal himself to the world through you. And he wants to mold you into the person he created you to be, a citizen of his kingdom. And so we come and we open ourselves up to saying, Jesus, change me. Not because we have low self-image. Not because we think we're not good enough. But because God has called us to reveal him to the world. And in order for me to do that, I need to be more like him. And the only way I can be more like him is if he helps me do that. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we want to reveal you to the world. We want to have these character traits or these attributes be evident in our lives. And that can only happen through the work of your spirit. And so I pray that we would be diligent in our prayer. We would be diligent in our, in our study. We would be diligent in our effort to find community. And we would be diligent in pursuing a relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Before we dismiss and before we have our business meeting, we're going to end with communion. I'm going to invite um, Doc to come forward. And Basil, would you come forward? Um, are, you, are you able? Um, and we receive communion at the end of each of our services. And what we ask is you to stand and come to the center of the nearest center aisle to you and come forward and receive the elements. If you're not comfortable receiving the elements or taking communion with us, that's okay. We encourage you to be here. If you're not able to come forward, we can have someone bring them to you. But we're going to share communion together this morning. As you receive the elements, I encourage you to get back to your seat and we'll share together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's been my fourth man in the fire, time after time. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood, and what he did for Enough. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the Perfect.
submission all is at rest I know the author of tomorrow has ordered my steps so this is my story this is my song, praising my risen King and Savior all the day long. Scripture teaches that on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took, was sitting and having dinner with his disciples. They were at the table. It was a place of community. It was a place of vulnerability. It was a place of honesty and openness. And Jesus said, said, Scripture says he took the bread and he broke it. He told his disciples this this was his body that had been broken for them. And every time they came back to that table, they should remember him. And so this morning we come to that table again. Conscious of our need for him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we need you to help us shine your light in this world. Help us to see these attributes come forth in us. Help us to be known as people who are, who are exhibiting these attributes. Help it to be our reputation. And when given an opportunity to talk about it, help us to reflect your light into a darkness. In your name we pray. Would you take the bread? It says, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This new covenant. This opportunity for us once and for all to become citizens of God's kingdom. Jesus, I thank you that you have invited us into your kingdom. I pray that we would pursue you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you go ahead and take the cup? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Jesus, may we see the Beatitudes in our lives. I pray this week that you would bring to our mind... That you would speak to us in moments where we need you. And that you would work in us and that we would reflect you to our light, uh, into our circle. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Those of you who are not official members, you're welcome to stay. Those of you who are official members, we're going to start in about 15 minutes. Uh, see you.